0: I didn't want to go for 130 because I think the the actual previous record was 129.4 so when it converted into pounds it was a whole number um so for me to do 130 kilos was about 500 grams more than what Danny had done and I was like no one wants to break the record by one kilo that's really boring.
1: Welcome to the Bar Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today I'm talking to British strongwoman Andrea Thompson. After beginning her strength career in CrossFit, Andrea found she had a gift for many of the disciplines in the sport of strongman. Early competition success led to what is now one of the sport's most stacked resumes. She's a four-time Britain's Strongest Woman, the 2018 World's Strongest Woman, and a multi-time record holder in lifts like the log press and deadlift. Andrea joins us to talk about training for the log press and deadlift world records earlier this year, one of which she did on a virtual live stream, as well as the growth of the sport and what's next for her. Also, we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So, if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbend podcast in your app of choice. I'd also recommend subscribing to the Barbend newsletter to stay up to date on all things strength. Just go to slash newsletter to start becoming the smartest person in your gym today. Now, let's get to it. Andrea, thanks so much for joining us. Your accomplishments this year, even during the pandemic, have made waves in the strongman community, which is doubly impressive because we just haven't had that many competitions. So you've been doing this all virtually. For those who might not be super familiar with you, how did you get started in strength sports?
0: Um, I actually started out in CrossFit. So um, I just did that as a way of... um, trying to get fit, a little bit of exercise, changing my routine because I'm not an exercise person. Um, so it was actually during one of the Olympic lifting classes that the, the trainer said to me, I think I was doing grace, doing the, the, the grace movement. Um, she said, I've never seen anyone do it as fast as you have and make it look really easy. You need to go into sort of strength sports. And I was like, really? know, And I was like, okay, you know, just whatever. I'm, I'm kind of like a whatever person. I'll just try it. If I don't like it, I'll try something else. So I actually just did a little bit of research and found Britain's Strongest Woman, Um, and I actually entered myself into that competition. With had no idea what a yoke was, no idea what a log was, but I knew I could do the deadlift. So um, that was all I all I knew at that time. Uh, So I'd had six weeks to train for that. Found a coach. He got me through the first couple of weeks. Actually suggested I did a small competition first um, because the ladies that were doing Britain's Strongest Woman had been. you know, practicing and, and uh, training for a long time. And I was going six weeks in. So I went into a local competition, which was another qualifier uh, from England's, And I came first after two weeks of training. Um, so I was still doing CrossFit and Strong, Strong Women uh, for about two, three months. It doesn't mix very well. <laughs> it doesn't work very well. So I had to make a decision and I chose Strong
1: Woman. And and what what about what year was that? Just to give folks a, a, an idea of how long you've been training in strong in strongman, strongwoman, whatever we want to call it. Uh, 2015.
0: So I'm about five years
1: in now. Which is, I, it's, five years is a good long time to to build strength. But it sounds like you had a good base coming in, and and we see strongman careers really over the decades. I mean, we see some top competitors competing for. Ten years 15 years mm. even at the highest level sometimes so you're still relatively new to the sport compared to some of your competitors do you do you still feel like like you're you're kind of learning or or do you feel fresh to the sport at all still
0: no i don't feel fresh to that i definitely don't feel <laughs> fresh to the sport. my body is saying you're not fresh andrea um I don't know. No, I'm. St- I still learn with every every training session I have, every coaching session I have, every competition I do. I'm. I'm always learning from something, somebody. Um, I don't. I, I feel like I've been around a little bit now because there are so many girls, so many women that are involved in the sport, um, who are very fresh and very agile and make it look really easy. <laughs> and um, you know, I'm five years down the line thinking you know, I'm impressed. I'm impressed by the, you know, the level of of athletes that are coming through now. So, um, although I don't feel like a veteran just yet, I definitely, am not a (laughs) fresh.
1: You're, you're, you're in your prime. You're, 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 you're right at that peak level.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I, I, I did actually feel like I peaked when I won World Strongest Women in 2018. I felt like I was at my peak then. um, but actually, I just had a really good year, and then the following year wasn't so great. I, you know, just didn't feel good about anything, competing, life itself. So it kind of it goes in, in peaks and troughs, you know, training and competition. So I'm now coming to a peak where I feel really good again, and I'm ready. i now that the pandemic has set in, I feel ready to compete again.
1: Well <laughs> I, I got it. you talked about finding strongman through CrossFit. It, it that's pretty rare. We will see um the only other athlete in your sport who I, I know found the sport through CrossFit was Rob Kearney uh, in the United States. And he was a much smaller version of him of himself today. Um and I gotta I gotta say, do you, have you tried Grace again? The workout I Grace.
0: No, I haven't not 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 particularly i mean i do do that movement as a as part of my training but not for time oh my goodness i don't i i I just try it i'll give it a go i
1: i ask because look i'm not going to try and convince a strong man or a strong woman to try fran and i'm not gonna i'm certainly not going to ask them to go do like a 20 minute metcon but you you run grace or isabel by them and like a lot of strong men and strong women will, will look at that and they'll say Yeah, I can do that for a minute. Yeah, I'll go. I'll tackle that one.
0: Yeah. And I used to like Karen as well, actually, with the wall balls. Um, I'm, you know, I'm quite strong in the legs. So the the Karen was was quite one of my warm-ups, actually. I used to do it as part of a warm-up session.
1: That's 150 wall balls for time, right? Yeah. Did you do it unbroken? I've seen some people do it unbroken. I'm just blown away.
0: No, I think I managed to get, I can get about 50. So I do it in three parts and then give it a little bit of a shake. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it that just is, hurts everything.
1: that's one if you've never done it before like you you think of wall balls you're like okay it's a 20 pound ball for men i think it's what 15, 14 for 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 ladies uh 16 or 14 or yeah. something something like that it's a little I'm bit in less kilos.
0: i'm trying to work out in oh,
1: well we're, we're not we're not going to figure this math that math okay. out in this recording but you know the first time you try it it really it bites you like the next day or the day after that, because you're like, yeah. it's not so bad. It's just, these aren't heavy squats. If you're listening to this, if you're a power lifter, a strong man, a strong woman, an Olympic lifter, and you've never done 150 wall balls for time, I would encourage you to try it, but also understand that you might have trouble walking two days later, because when that soreness hits, it's it's unlike anything. It's not like a heavy a squat session. Ki-
0: yeah, different kind of soreness at all. It's painful. it's almost painful. You can, I can do DOMS any any time of the day. But that was, it was like stabbing. It's <laughs> like a stabbing soreness, that
1: is. <laughs> Were, your, first, uh, your first Britain's Strongest Woman, you know, was after really just a few weeks of training. It was your, your, yeah. sec, it was your second competition. Yeah. Were there any movements that just caught you off guard? Obviously, you hadn't had a ton of experience with, with the yoke, with, with stones necessarily. Were there any that just like caught you off guard and you thought to yourself, wow, I, I really have to go back in the tank and work on this?
0: um the log the log was one thing I knew I was strong overhead but the log isn't is completely different you know to flipping an Olympic bar to your chest um I was really unstable you know the I kept dropping every time I went to bounce it just kept rolling forward so I just couldn't get the lift so I think um I failed at like about 70 kilos 75 kilos um and then also carrying anything. So we had a keg, uh, farmer's walk and a sandbag. So and I just could not pick up the sandbag. And still to this day, it's one of my weakest things to do is to carry anything, sandbags, pick up a stone. Um, yeah, it, I couldn't get it off the line. I just couldn't pick it up. I don't know what <laughs> what's happening. Um, and that's not necessarily down to technique, I don't think. But, or maybe a little bit down to technique because, you know, just sort of shifting it in the arms, but yeah, that really threw me out. soundbags.
1: Well, the, well, the good news is that the log press was maybe challenging back then, but I would say that's certainly not a weakness of yours now. And you made waves earlier this year. We, I, we loved reporting about it on on Barbed because you made it look so easy, and also you. Um, spoiler alert, broke the world record twice in, in one live stream. So just kind of showing yeah. off a little bit, um, just <laughs> a little bit. But let's talk about how you turned the log press from something that was really unfamiliar to your strength. Because, I mean, hands down, you are the best in the world at the log clean and press right now. Um,
0: just I think it comes with uh, you have like a favorite lift every so often your, your favourite event just changes so depending how your body is so sometimes it's the deadlift and then it really hurts so I don't deadlift so much and then I focus more on overhead um, at one time the yoke was my favourite event um, so I would just yoke all the time um, so I think because I'd just done the uh, the deadlift at the Arnold in March my body was actually still recovering and I didn't want to go in and do another deadlift so I thought I'd focus on something else um, and you know the overhead the log was the next best thing I knew I was really good at, just not very technically good. Um, so it actually, what many people don't realise is that I struggle with the clean. Um, it's never really been heavy enough for me to be technically good at it. It's just been just about heavy enough for me to almost bicep clean it up to my chest. Um, but when you get to the weights that I was trying to go for, those, the biceps won't hold on to that. <laughs> so... I had to, it was stripped right back to, um, you know, empty logs to so 40 kilos. I was going back to at the start of the program um, and just working on that clean, getting right down into the squat and then, and using, you know, my chest and my belly to, to throw it up um, before I was actually allowed to put any weight back on the bar. Well, what so was it's that, just it's taking it back really.
1: What was that training cycle like? I mean, how long, when did you know that you wanted to go for the the log press World record, and and how long did you train specifically for that before before you accomplished it twice in in the same live stream?
0: Um, so I knew about it uh, three about two to three weeks before it was announced. Um, having Loz as my coach, who was actually the commentator, I obviously had a little bit of inside knowledge. So I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah." So we kind of started training for it, not um, majorly because we weren't overly sure that I would be invited to go to do it so mm-hmm. I started training on it just in case um and then I was trained, I started training like two two weeks later so I had about an eight week window six to eight week window um of training and it was it was a normal squat bent as uh, squat overhead and deadlift program but focused more heavier on on the overhead lots of assistance work um lots of holding the log to my chest and just gently dipping because again, this was my weakness as I was coming forward. So lots of half squats with like, you know, 200 pounds on my chest. That's not nice at all. Um, and then towards the end so the last sort of three or four weeks was overhead every day.
1: Mm. Every oh. day was log day. And, and how many training sessions per week were you, were you logging at this time? Uh, four. For. I say logging. I understand there's there's a pun there. I might have used the wrong yeah, word. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I became very, very shoulder heavy. Like my, my physique just, my physique just changes. You know, depending on what I'm doing. So at the time, my my upper body just changed dramatically. Um, I be- all of a sudden became like this <laughs> to accommodate for all the the overhead lifting
1: I was doing. Did you, were you pretty confident heading in, you know, thinking the week before training, maybe your last heavy session before a deload, were you pretty confident heading in that you could set the new record?
0: 100%. Set it and break it again. I knew I didn't want to go for 130 because I think the, the actual previous record was 129.4. So when it converted into pounds, it was a whole number. Um, so for me to do 130 kilos was about 500 grams more than what Danny had done. And I was like, no one wants to break the record by one kilo. That's really boring. So, (laughs) um, so I had 135 in my head. Um, so I had to agree with Loz. Um, if I broke the record and made it look easy and I still had energy left, then I could, uh, go for 135. So I'd got four lifts to do. um, and people are saying, oh, she got an extra lift, she got five lifts, but actually what you get is you get 60 seconds to do the lift um, and you get two attempts at one lift. So although I had five, it was two attempts at the 135. So that was was the rules that we we had to go by. Uh, So, yeah, I'd been given specific lifts to go by, by laws. He said, don't change anything, just just do as you're told. Um, And that's what we did. Um, But I messed up the first attempt. I think I was, I knew I was going for 135. And the jump from 130 to 135 was actually really heavy. And I felt that a lot. Um, And I rushed it. I rushed it and it it didn't go to plan. So but I still had another chance to go for it. And I knew, I knew what I wanted. I, I wasn't there to just to break the record. I was there to take the record properly.
1: I, I got to ask, and this is something that um, I, I saw a lot of people commenting on. Uh, the shirt you wore that had kind of the—I I guess they were kind of like plastic or rubber or rubber lines to kind of increase grip. A lot of folks hadn't seen that before. Uh, tell us a little bit about you know how you dressed for for that lift and and like when you started wearing that that shirt that gave you that little bit of extra friction on uh, on on the lift. <clears throat>
0: So that's a grip shirt. You can have um it have rubber on the top, you can have rubber on the shoulders and it can go across the back. So it works for the yoke as well to stop the yoke from slipping and a and a bar I guess for any squatting. Um so I didn't actually start using that that shirt until about 3 weeks towards the end because it's an assistance basically. Um so I didn't want to get used to having that there. I needed to get used to having my arms there and then just use it for the last few sessions um so yeah it's really and you have to have the shirt really tight as well there's no point in having a, a baggy shirt with the grip because it just slips so getting into it almost takes two people because I'm like I'm like I'm wedge it on my arms and you know you are tucked into that shirt so it's almost like a suit but in a in a t-shirt kind of style um but yeah it's it's quite common in strongman it also works really well for stones as well uh just stop you from slipping down your top
1: I think that for a lot of folks who might just be casual Strongman fans, um, a lot of them come from the powerlifting community or the weightlifting community. They'll watch Strongman and, and they're not necessarily familiar. And, and I've become more familiar over time and still have a lot to learn about the equipment, about using the tacky on stones and, and things like that. There are a lot of, a lot of kind of trade secrets in the strongman community, that that we learn that we learn over time, and, and that was one where all eyes were on you. So there were a lot of questions like, "What is that shirt she's wearing? What is that logo?" It's like, nope, that was that's for a purpose. That serves like an actual tactical purpose.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's lots of little secrets. Um, the same with my belt as well. There was a few comments I saw about me uh, having my belt turned around the wrong way. I don't like having the buckle at the front because it catches. Um, so I'd rather just have a complete streamline um, so there's no buckle no flaps nothing getting in my way for that um, with regards to, I mean I'm not an expert on stones stones is actually one of my weakest events so but I was taught a few tips uh, in one of the OSG games I did for carrying a Hussafel stone so that's not you're not allowed any tacky for that It's just purely a grip thing.
1: Um, You can can, can chalk for that, right? You can still chalk.
0: You can chalk for it, you can, but you're not allowed to use any kind of sticky, anything sticky. Um, I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's a little secret that I have myself I'm going to keep that's got me through two competitions, but I was giving a really good tip from Nick Best uh, for how to carry the Hussifel stone.
1: Okay, here's, here's a question. Do you have, do you, I'm not going to ask about that secret. My next question is not to find the the, the secret to the Hoosville Stone, but are there, are there secrets that you'll only share among, amongst British strongman athletes? And like, you wouldn't tell the Americans or you wouldn't tell the Icelanders? Yeah.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. It's, it's not, um, only because we know, I know that they do it as well that's all it is um so it almost, and I've never been one of these people that's like oh we you know us Brits we need to skip, stick together because all the Americans stick together I've never been like that at all until <laughs> 2017 when <laughs> I was I was part of that uh, or no, not even part of it it was it was the Americans versus the Brits I think it was just as I was coming into international um sort of level and I was kind of making a little bit of a name for myself that's when I realized the um you know the the different sections almost between the nationalities and yeah there is there is a few tactics even Eddie Hall Eddie Hall has given me some really good tips and that's something that I won't share with probably a couple of other British girls to be honest who I know are really good at stones so you, everyone's got their own little tactics I think um and you can choose whether to share them or not it depends who your competition is <laughs>
1: Who do you see as your biggest rivals in the sport?
0: Um, Donna Moore is always going to be my biggest rival. She's one that I've I've been chasing since the day I started. She was in my my Britain's Strongest Woman. Uh, I came third to her, and she won that. Um, you know, every competition I was I've ever been in, I've been chasing her. I've come second to her, and it's so frustrating. But the year that I finally beat her, and I was just like. I did it. What do you know? I did it. What do I do now? And I was, I didn't know what to do. I was literally completely bobsmacked. I didn't celebrate for, a, um, for about a day, to be honest, because I was still unsure as to whether I'd actually finally beaten her. Um, but we're really good friends outside of the sport. I've that's, That was
1: actually her on the phone. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> she knew, she knew you were about to talk about her.
0: Yeah, We talk all the time. Um, and then you've got, uh, we got we got Jessica Fithen. She's amazing. The really good presser. Um, Danny. Um, oh, she? She's middleweight, but she's very very strong. Very new, very strong. Um oh, my has gone blank. A couple of new girls from Britain as well. We've got this couple of girls from Britain who are. I'm having to watch my back. I've told them as well. <laughs> like, oh, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> I'm like, do I have to watch myself? So there are a few girls I know that there's, um, I know that I'm still one, one of the girls that's, that has to be beaten, but then there are people in front, there are women in front of me that I still have to beat. you know, that challenged me all the time.
1: What are some of your most uh, memorable, what are some of your best competition memories from, from the last few years since you've reached that international and, and highly competitive on the world stage status?
0: uh i love going to the arnold i love the arnold sports festival it's it's great i mean even this year when there was nobody allowed in into the stadium it was still an amazing place to be the atmosphere is always exciting there's always things going on um the events are usually quite exciting as well they're a lot a lot more interesting um I've been to Vegas. I took my mum to Vegas for a competition for the week. We just flew out to Vegas for a competition for the weekend. That was an experience.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Going going to Las Vegas with your mother, it doesn't matter why you're going.
0: Uh, It was, and again, it was an eye opener for her because she's not been to many of the competitions and because um, it was at the Olympia, so there was lots of bodybuilding going on. My mum has never been around those kind of things. Um, Coming from a Caribbean family, we're all very big, hefty women. So to see lots of um, half-naked ladies and gents walking around in their underpants, she was horrified. And I was like, <laughs> to keep telling her, mum, this is what, this is like the sport. Just, you need to go and put on that. And then this Jamaican accent comes from somewhere and I'm just like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Uh, so that was, might not be one of the best memories, but it was it was certainly an adventure.
1: Let's talk about the Arnold this year, um, where where you you did compete and you did make some some news. Uh, what was it like? What was your your timeline? You you had to tra- traveling internationally. That was the very beginning of, I, I guess you could say, yeah. the COVID nineteen pandemic for the United States and for Great Britain. We really didn't know for a while if the festival was going to happen. Eventually, they ended up having it without without the. They had some of the competitions, but, you know, not the kind of consumer fan side Mm -hmm. of things, right? Were there doubts? I mean, did you ever think that – I'm not sure what your travel schedule was. Did you ever think that, like, you wouldn't be able to come, that maybe you arrived and you would have gotten here for – and there wouldn't be a competition to actually take part in? What was that timeline and, like, what was relayed to you?
0: It literally started from the day that I left. So I, I normally travel a couple of days before, so I get acclimatized. I'm not a good traveler. So I left early at about three o'clock in the morning here to go and get my train to the airport. I got to the uh, onto the coach and I had a call from a couple of the girls that were already over there saying this virus thing, this virus thing, because that was what it was. It was just a virus thing at the time. Um, seems to be causing a few problems. Then the The uh, festival might be cancelled. Are you still coming? And I was like, I'm literally on my way. You know, everything's paid for. If the flight will let me on, I'm still coming. It might just be a week away in America. If I don't compete, I'm still coming. So when I got there, there was lots of um, meetings that we had to go to. Um, Strongman Corporation were really, really good and trying their hardest to make sure that we had somewhere to compete. The city was in the state of lockdown already. Um, I know Arnold would have been uh, fined quite heavily if he was to put on the full sports festival. They were talk about bringing the National Guard to make sure that the fest, because it takes over the whole city, doesn't it? Ohio yeah. is, is all about the Arnold. And it was actually quite scary, and that was even before we'd hit competition day. Um, so it was down to the literally the morning of the competition we had to wait outside the arena to be let in um and that would again be we were sort of herded into certain areas of the arena um and it was literally day by day if we weren't allowed to compete there I know that Strongman Corp had another venue that just the athletes were allowed to go to just sort short walk down the road. Um, and then when we were told that there no no uh, spectators were allowed in, we were just like, oh, well, at least we can still compete. But equally, we had like front row seats of all the the pro strongmen, you know, the big guys that that everyone fights to see. We had front row seats to see those, so we weren't re- we as athletes and um, sort of coaches weren't overly fussed. Um, it was still a really eerie atmosphere, um, as as noisy as as they tried to make it. It was still a really eerie atmosphere because the city was deserted there was just nobody about when you know it's very busy normally
1: well you're used to seeing columbus ohio at peak capacity when hundreds of thousands of people descend on yeah. it so seeing columbus ohio anytime outside the arnold would probably be would probably be a shock like yeah. it's what well, what did you did you have trouble getting getting back getting back home getting back to the uk after that
0: no i think we were the last lot of flights so that day I think I flew home on the Monday I think maybe coming into Tuesday was the last time they were going to let people out from Columbus so I normally go Columbus to I don't know Miami or, or Atlanta somewhere and then go from and from there but the internal ones they were reducing those quite a lot and, and I know that our flights were one of the last to be let out so I was lucky to come home <laughs>
1: That's a that's a a harrowing experience and I think we're all glad you got to compete because you put on yeah. you put on quite the quite the show especially in the the deadlift portion. Um my question for you now is assuming we get back to competitions which we will eventually, not everything yeah. will be virtual forever hopefully. What are some of your goals in the sport that maybe you haven't achieved yet?
0: Um I want to win the um Arnold Pro women's that's something that I haven't been able to win yet. Again, I've come second to Donna. Um, I actually came fifth this year, but I, I wasn't I wasn't there to win this time. I just wanted, I just enjoy being there. Um and then because I'd had the deadlift in mind as well, I didn't want to bust a gut too much on the on the competition. Um so the Arnold is definitely one I want to do. I I want to get another couple of records if possible. I know there's a few things in the pipeline that might be available to me. Um, I don't really know, to be honest, because I know OSG's been cancelled. So I'm I'm kind of getting to the point where I'd like to do other things other than compete for three days. You know, I, I might leave it to the young ones to just to do the three day competitions. I I quite enjoy doing like one record, one event, one record, <laughs> and then just live my life because I've got you know I've got family. I, you know, I work, um, I'm also training to be a personal trainer as well, um, and nutritionist. So there's lots going on at home that I take so much time. When you're, when you've got a competition coming up like that, you have Mm -hmm. to train four or five days a week. It's all about the food. It's all about getting to the gym. You know, it's, there's just so much that goes on and it takes so much out of your life that people don't realize that I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm also a mum, um behind the scenes so it's just too hard sometimes.
1: Well I think a lot of people if they're if they're new to uh, these sports uh they don't realize that or it's tough to realize or it takes a while to realize that many of the top athletes some of the world's best this is not their full-time job. They don't have the luxury of having this wide a wide open schedule where they can build their day around training. They have to build training around the rest of their day and around the rest mm-hmm. of their lives.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that that's 100% what it is. Um I don't even know if I'd like it to be full time. I mean, I'm I'm a really terrible strongman supporter. I don't I I only found out that Martins was the world's strongest man a couple of weeks ago. I you know, I I literally don't follow the sport and I'm such a I'm all for the women, you know, I'm 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 an advocate to get women involved in in the sport or just any sport itself. Um so I don't put too much into the sport. Um, I don't, I mean, I give as much as I can, but just don't put too much into it because it is just a hobby you know. and it's an expensive hobby. A lot of our, at this level, a lot of our competitions seem to be in America. So it's, if you think about it in family terms, that's the whole holiday that you're taking out of the family pot to go and compete for fun.
1: (laughs) Pretty, pretty, pretty exhausting holiday. When you think about it, not a lot of relaxation.
0: That's what people think I do. Oh my God, you've been to Florida. You must've had a great time. Uh, not really, because I see airports and I see arenas and then I come home. <laughs> so that's about it. I'd love to say that I spend days on the beach, but I don't.
1: <laughs> unless unless the competition's on the beach, in which case yes. you're not doing a lot of relaxing. You're not doing a lot of no. just sunning yourself and lying back.
0: No, not at all. So it just takes a lot of time. And I think if you've got that time, then you know put everything into it. But I just don't have as much time as I would really like to put into the sport.
1: Makes a lot of sense. Well, Andrea, I, I really appreciate pre- appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. Where's the best place for people to follow along with your training competitions and and the work you do uh in strongman and even even outside of that?
0: Um some on Instagram that's the best place to reach me on Andrea Thompson underscore strongwoman. Um and I'm on Facebook just not as much, but Instagram's the best place
1: to get me Excellent. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, I really enjoyed getting to chat with you today. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you.